Discovery, go at throttle up. Discovery 4 computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. Transmission coming in from the Starfleet Escape Podcast. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode 99 and is being recorded on April the 13th, 2019. Today's topic, Spectral Scan Discovery Season 2, Episode 13. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This podcast contains spoilers for Discovery Season 2, Episode 13, Such Sweet Sorrow. I'm Aaron Gallo. And I'm Eric Berry. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover Designs and Illustration. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention this podcast for 10% off of your order. Good morning, Mr. Berry. Good morning, Mr. Gallo. How are you doing today? Apparently a lot better than you. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very gloomy in Boston right now. Which will probably explain a lot coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's affecting my opinion. Maybe. On such sweet sorrow. Part one. We have to say part one now because for the first time, Discovery is having like a named two-part episode. Yes. That's cool, considering (laughs) the season is... uh, That's cool. (laughs) uh, We'll see here... I'm thinking my opinion of this episode will change watching it back to back with the second part. Yes. Maybe it's a fuller story and I'll appreciate it more. I actually wish they released both episodes together. I wish they did as well. I think that would have made me appreciate this a lot more. It would have been a bigger, like, felt more like an event, you know? Yeah. But they didn't. Unfortunately. (laughs) unfortunately uh we'll get into it (laughs) yeah but isn't unlike i mean they've released two episodes Mm. at once before for the season one premiere season one premiere when the twilight zone dropped they released the first two episodes yes so it's not unprecedented they could have done it yeah, but maybe they just wanted to stretch out that uh, that season runtime. I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. I hope the next episode is like two hours long. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I honestly don't see how they can fit everything that I'm expecting to be in the finale into an hour. We'll talk about what you want to have happen, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like an expectations because, man, your expectations are high. It's like, to me, it's like, look, we already confirmed season three is happening. We (laughs) can leave some things for next season. It's fine. That's that's true. Oh, man. If this is a cliffhanger, I'm going to scream. My God, look how much we had to wait for the Enterprise. Uh, I don't want a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> I think you're you're gonna get one anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man. 
for this finale, the Enterprise J shows up. What? <laughs> that time traveling shenanigans. Or the time ship relativity shows up. Uh, yeah. Or Voyager somehow shows up. Oh, now you're just getting ridiculous. <laughs> Through like a Borg. Stop it. Uh, what are those tunnels called? Transwarp conduit. They don't time travel. Well, not that we know of. Oh, God. Can we just get to the news? <laughs> so, a group of fans have launched an online petition calling for a statue of Chief Miles O'Brien to be built in Dublin city center. Uh, smashing its 1,000 signature goal, the petition now has over 2,400 signatures and counting. Cool. <laughs> This isn't the first time a a statue of a Star Trek character or a fictional character has been built in a city. We have, you know, the Rocky statue. Sure. And uh wherever it is wherever it is uh <laughs> Philadelphia, what? right? Of course, yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is interesting. Chief O'Brien is is one of my favorite characters, I must say. Oh, by far. In fact, uh, this week, actually right before Discovery, I was waiting for Teresa to get home, and I'm like, no matter how much I want to see that Enterprise Bridge, I have to wait for her. Yeah. So I actually uh, watched The Emissary again. Uh, okay. And I really liked that moment when Chief O'Brien doesn't want to disturb Captain Picard, but Captain Picard meets him at the transporter room anyway. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice scene, and I really like Chief O'Brien. He's got a long history in Star Trek. Yeah, it's one of those side characters that became a prominent character. Yeah. Uh, and that's cool. It's almost like the characters, the main cast in Star Trek Discovery, how they're like just these background side actors or characters, and in this season they're taking the forefront. Indeed. Yes. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Berry, going to my favorite segment of the show, would you buy it? I would buy this, yes. I, I think I would as well. We're talking about the Star Trek, the official guide to the animated series. Now, no matter how you feel about the animated series... It happened. <laughs> I think you should get this. Yes. It's listed... For thirty four ninety nine, I think you can get it on Amazon pre order for a little cheaper. Oh yeah, for sure. It's available on September third, twenty nineteen. As of right now, you can save ten percent. It's listed as thirty one forty nine on Amazon, but it does have the pre order price guarantee. So if it drops more, you'll always get the lowest price. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't realize they did that. That's cool. Yeah, they. I pre-order a lot of stuff from Amazon, and they definitely honor that pre-order price guarantee. Nice. So this is the first book to document the animated series. Each mm -hmm. episode lovingly <laughs> and authoritatively described by authors who had astonishing access to behind-the-scenes tales, original scripts, and the talent who made it all happen. I think this will be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm a fan of the animated series. Yeah, me too. 
some episodes aren't that great. But you can say that you can say that about any series. You're gonna say it today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to make that connection, but uh, you are correct, sir. <laughs> but I always love behind the scenes stuff. Oh yeah, I'm, I have some books like the art of books that I love. Oh yeah, and I love that Star Trek. It, like they're still making books like this because I love behind the scenes. I love books that uh, feature the ships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I love all of it. Yeah. I'm actually surprised it took this long for a book like this to come out. Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) we're talking like nearly 50 years, right? (laughs) Since the series came out. Well, it is the seventies, like, like 40 years, like 40 years. Yeah. That's a long time. It is a long time. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why they uh, why they took so long, but yeah, it, it says this book is the first to document the animated series. So yeah, why <laughs> why so long? Yeah, it's not it's not so bad of a series that you know it should be ignored like this. But mm-hmm. hey, they're at least they're correcting the mistake. Better late than never, I guess. Right. I wonder if they ever made a behind the scenes of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. <laughs> I, I, I don't think anyone wants to, to dig into that. that. That was a lot of crap going on behind the scenes. Yeah. It wasn't great. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, some of that stuff has made its way into the art of the movie books yes yes I, i've seen like some, the little tidbits yeah i i saw like the rock monster <laughs> that didn't make rock it in. monster <laughs> that didn't make i it just in. think i just think rock lobster yeah that's a good song better than star trek 5 <laughs> well i think objectively anything is better than star trek 5 let's be real <laughs> well we'll see oh no <laughs> no i kid, I kid. <laughs> I kid. I think I watched this episode more than I've rewatched Star Trek V. Okay, f- fair, fair. So <laughs> this, I, I will tell you, this was not worse than Star Trek V. No, no, not by any means. But I did have some issues. <laughs> All right, can can we at least go into what you did like about this episode after the episode summary? Of course. The USS Discovery is evacuated as Captain Pike prepares to self-destruct the vessel. The USS Enterprise arrives to combat the Section 31 vessel surrounding Discovery. My God. (laughs) So, what did I like? The exterior shots of Discovery and the Enterprise were beautiful. Oh, my God. I... Oh, I, I'm so glad we're getting these two episodes and it's going to have so much enterprise. Mm-hmm. I, I think the model of the enterprise ship, the CG model is beautiful. It is. And to see that these two ships interact like that and so close together. I mean, they, mm-hmm. when they docked, I was like, wow, what is going on here? Right. But I just love the scale of everything and discovery is definitely like a flatter, wider ship mm-hmm. and longer because of the nacelles, but enterprise definitely has more, I think interior volume 
mm-hmm. because of the secondary drive and the thicker saucer section. Right. So I just love the scale of the two ships. And I I want to say I would not trust those evacuation walkways. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I did like them, though. I thought it was a cool effect. It, it's very cool. And I like that they had to perfectly line up with the other ship. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, because in other series and movies, we see tubes come out. Nothing like this, where it's just force fields protecting you from the vacuum of space. It's a bit tricky. It's a bit tricky, I must say. Yeah. (laughs) No, it is. One thing I would like to say about the beauty shots of these ships, I'm glad we're getting them this season. Because I've said this about last season, all the space scenes, there was so much movement, you couldn't appreciate anything that was going on. Yes. And these exterior shots are a little slower. You get to see more. There was more time to breathe it in. Yeah, more time to take it all in. Mm-hmm. Which I appreciate, because I, I really like Klingon ships, as I think most of our listeners probably know. I... Couldn't tell you what any of the ships from the Klingon ships from season one looked like because everything was so fast. Yeah, obviously I've I've seen pictures <laughs> since then, but during the episode, it the episodes it was hard. Like I said, these shots were amazing. Oh, the simply simply beautiful, very amazingly well done. Mm-hmm. Like we said about the, those evacuation platforms, they were. Cool to look at, but I think I agree with you. I wouldn't necessarily trust them either. I would. Nope. I think I would rather my atoms ripped apart and reassembled <laughs> <laughs> than dealing with the vacuum of space. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what Doctor McCoy would say on that. But uh... yeah, for real though. <laughs> <laughs> so some other moments I liked. There were there were a lot of touching character moments between between these crew members. Yes. So why didn't you like the freaking episode? <laughs> well, let's stick with what I like for now. Okay. Uh, okay. So, because th- all this episode was about character stuff. Yeah, I know. That's I didn't want that. Ah, uh, see, I felt like it was too long. Like the character moments were uh, were too long, too spaced out. That's me. I I know. It's me. I'm not saying my opinion is correct. It's just my opinion. No, I know. Yeah, I know. Not not facts, just opinions. Uh, I liked the interaction between Paul and Hugh. Oh my god! Why did I feel like Hugh actually wanted to get back together? But yeah, I think Paul beat him to the punch and was like, no, we're breaking up. And it was like, ooh, like, cause it was like, they did that awkward, oh, no, you go first. Mm-hmm. And man, I think that would have been a much different conversation if Hugh actually went first. Yeah, uh, you could feel it in his eyes, in Hugh's eyes, that he was like, oh, no. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> I made a huge mistake. Oh, my goodness. What? do I do now? And like the little awkwardness with the hands that was going on. Uh, it was heartbreaking. It was. I feel like I was in situations like this where it's really oh, awkward yeah. between an ex and I didn't know what to say or what to do. And uh, 
I I totally feel you on that one, and I really felt for Hugh as well. Also, as someone who's been in that position before, yeah, I really felt for Hugh, and it's not easy when someone's saying, "All right, well, we're just gonna move forward with our lives, and you're not a part of it." Yeah. Oh, heart wrenching. Yeah. So. I think Wilson Cruz is an incredible, incredible actor. Mm -hmm. The dude also has incredible abs. If you check out (laughs) his Instagram, my God, I think the dude's close to 50 and he's rocking that bod. I mean, I'm not gay, but I can very much appreciate someone who has worked hard and my God, I don't know why. I don't know why Paul Stamets would ever get rid of that (laughs) because, (laughs) oh, holy cow. I think Wilson Cruz did such a phenomenal job conveying the emotion of this scene Mm -hmm. and what was going on. And like you said, you could see it in his face and my heart was broken. Mm -hmm. It was, it was very well done. Yeah. Probably the best character moment of the episode i think it's definitely up there for me yeah yeah a close second for me anyway is the interaction between burnham and tyler oh my god yeah i think that's the one that Teresa teared up on and and also sarah and amanda mm. yeah i didn't know going into the second season considering how michael and tyler left off in the first season I didn't know that we would get kind of this rekindling of their romance, but I liked it. I liked as the season progressed, you, they had these great moments together. And I mean, he was starting to tear up as she was walking away. And then she's like, I can't say goodbye like this and turned around. And it was, yeah, that was, that was pretty emotional. Yeah. Slightly happier scene is that, I liked was between Jet and Paul. I like that. I liked when he smiled (laughs) that I still don't like you, but had this big grin on his face and they had a handshake and I thought that was very nice. Yeah. You could tell that they appreciate each other and respect each other, but their personalities just kind of clash, I think. And that's okay, but they still have this working relationship That's professional. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good way to show that, hey, you're not going to be best friends with your coworkers all the time, but you can at least show them professional courtesy. Mm -hmm. Like that, that was a great thing in the last episode when she was trying to give him advice and he got so annoyed with her. He's just like, shut up and eat your protein. Right. Like, Like, I don't want your advice right now. Yeah. But he still respects her. Right. Finally, with these interactions for me is, you know, just Burnham and the entire crew. They seem like a family. They love each other. And I really liked that they all came together and were like, you know, we're not leaving you. We're not letting you stay behind. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and that was a touching moment, I think. It was pretty much, look, this is the entire cast for season three (laughs) of Star Trek Discovery. Um, no, I thought that was a really good moment as well. And they were doing it as time was running out. So I even like that Saru 
even cut off like, hey, whatever you're going to say is beautiful, but we got to get going. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I liked the speech before as well when she was on the bridge addressing the crew. Right. And I just, I thought that was well done. And I'm glad she got a separate moment with Tilly because Tilly was not there for that bridge speech. Right. And I appreciated that because they're not forgetting the friendship that they built up Mm -hmm. as roomies or, you know, just friends. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of weird that they're still roommates. I don't think it's, I don't think it's strange. Well, she's a, a command officer. Oh, true, because when she was initially on Discovery, it was more like, hey, Tilly's going to be watching you. There's that, you know, the watching and plus lower ranked officers usually bunk up and higher up officers have their own quarters. Actually, I think that speaks more to their friendship. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. It's Yeah. It's amazing that they have this bond and, you know, I'm sure Burnham could get her own right. quarters, but she chooses not to. So I think that's cool. Yeah, it speaks to their relationship uh, in a very nice manner. Uh, finally, on my likes, I think we both can agree. Oh. <laughs> the Enterprise. Oh, she's a beautiful ship, no matter what universe or timeline reimagining. Indeed. We have the door swishes, which were the same. Uh, I was like, oh, perfect. that's the Enterprise. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a joke between between my dad and I. Uh, <laughs> like, whenever a door would, would open, my dad would go, psst, and I go, psst. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I, I mean, that's, that's like a long-time joke between us. Yeah, so I very much appreciated the exact same sound effect. Yeah, that was cool. I wasn't really expecting it <laughs> i was like oh snap even the bosun whistle mm. was a nice touch yeah and next up i didn't realize this but the buttons from the star trek the official bridge tour were given to the yes. production of star trek discovery for the enterprise bridge yeah, uh, James Cowley, who runs the bridge tour, mentioned that on social media, and they were given to the production team like a year ago, which from there's a couple interviews that have been going around from the production designer of Discovery. Uh, Trek Core has a very good uh, summary of everything that was said about the redesigning the bridge. Mm-hmm. So it took over a year to design this bridge. Yeah. Like they went into total research mode and trying to figure out how to make everything work. And one interesting tidbit I read was that the entire ceiling is on a chain system so that they can raise or lower it depending on the wide shots for the camera Oh, okay. to make it feel like you're getting the whole bridge. Because when they did that pan back from when Pike enters the bridge mm-hmm. and you get that glorious wide shot of the entire bridge, my God, my heart just like, mm-hmm. 
I was such a giddy fanboy. I'm like, oh my God, it's the Enterprise. Like, I'm like, ee! and when the show was airing, I was like, oh my God, there's the grill. There's the, <laughs> like this and that. And, you know, Teresa probably thought I was a crazy person, but I'm like, oh my God, the Enterprise. Yeah, I, you know, with all this detail going into this bridge, I really hope they utilize it for a Pike series. I think everyone wants a Pike series. Give me... Anson Mount, give me Ethan Peck, this whole bridge crew, Rebecca Romaine mm-hmm. as number one. Uh, how crazy would it be if, you know, they, they did some more original series aliens on the Enterprise? Yeah. And I don't know if you caught this, but I saw it in the credits. Uh, one of the bridge officers is Yeoman Colt from The Cage, oh. uh, the redheaded woman. Okay, I saw someone mention that on Twitter, but I actually didn't connect her with the pilot episode. Uh, it, I was like, oh, okay, whoever this is, all right, whatever. No, but there's actually a lady that speaks up. I think it's at the 1750 mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right before they try to destroy the Discovery or something else. Like she's making an announcement to Pike. And she's got the same hairstyle, the same hair color. And I was like, oh, snap, that's that's cold. And I, I rewatched it because someone mentioned that. But yeah, I paused the credits. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they have Yeoman Colt in this. And so I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. That's I, cool. How cool would it be for a Pike series if they recast and had someone as Dr. Boyce mm-hmm. who visits him in his quarters? Right. I mean, they already have sets made. Yes. So, you know, half the work is done. <laughs> uh, yeah, that bridge was amazing. Uh, another tidbit that I saw was that they were kind of, they were trying to fit it into the budget of this season. And initially, they were going to do essentially a CGI virtual set. Oh in the beginning, like they would build part of it, Uh but the rest would be like CG green screen extensions. I am so glad that they did not go that route because this bridge is breathtaking. No, it is. If you haven't watched this episode for some reason, you should. Why, why the hell are you listening to this episode first? Right. Even with my complaints (laughs) about this episode, the Enterprise is breathtaking. You need to watch it just for the Enterprise. Yeah, and TrekCore did a good summary of all the comparisons of from the original series to this. All the details are there. Spock's science viewer, even the dedication plaque says Starship class, mm. like the original prop. Right. They even had the, the grill lighting. Like the overhead grill lighting. Oh, okay. The shadows, just like the original series. And, oh my God, we can't forget about the twisty handles on the turbo (laughs) lift. Yeah, that was cool. I love the twisty handles. And he he gave a voice command, too. Yep. Unlike Star Trek Discovery with their telekinetic (laughs) capabilities. I get it. (laughs) I loved that because that was my biggest like. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything about the Enterprise exterior looked amazing. Uh, The interior shots, uh, they added the grills to the hallways. Uh, There's all those touches. I I really enjoyed it. 
I just, I really liked everything about the Enterprise that we got to see. Mm-hmm. Even the conference room had oh, like yeah. the circular windows that match on the Enterprise. Because the ready room, I think there's a couple circular panels on like the bridge dome mm-hmm. area or that bulbous part that's like right underneath the bridge. So that conference room had completely circular windows, just like what you would see on the Enterprise. I thought that was a great detail. Yeah. The conference room had the triangle monitor thing happening. Yes, that's what I was going to say. The chairs were all matched perfectly. Even the captain's chair looked good. Mm. It looked exact. It was nice. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you on the Enterprise. I thought that they spent a lot of time definitely upscaling the detail on the CGI model as well. And I like that some of the pendant stuff was raised and not just looked like it was painted on, which was a nice kind of surface detailing. Right. Yeah. And and the registry as well. So really liked all those details uh you can definitely tell that the enterprise is a flagship of the fleet because man when it when it fired those photon torpedoes they came out of the right place first (laughs) of all so props to you discovery uh cgi people but it even had the sound effects for the photon torpedoes the I mean, it was like those sound effects were direct from the original series, and I appreciate that. I also liked all of the character arcs that were happening in this episode. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a culmination of the whole season, and that's what worked for me for this episode. That's why I think I liked it a little bit more than you did, Okay, because I thought this episode was very nicely paced to set up this hopefully exciting conclusion that we're going to get. Right. So I definitely think this was like the calm before the storm. There was still forward plot movement in, you know, the preparation of what they needed to do to get done. Mm -hmm. And I like that it was a chance for the characters to, you know, say their final goodbyes, supposedly, and kind of resolve some of these moments. We had some great moments between Pike and the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. And it really makes me sad that Anson Mount is not going to be there for season three. Yeah. I want a freaking Pike series. I do. <sighs> yeah, we all and, do. And, and I think the response of the fans for a, a Pike series is because of Anson Mount's work on this character. Mm-hmm. And there was like little moments between him and Michael where like the one right before she touches the time crystal, where I believe he was saying something along the lines of, Hey, sometimes we can't choose our destiny, even if we know what's going to happen. And it was like little hints that his way, his vision that he saw is now going to haunt him mm-hmm. and that it's already affecting what kind of person he'll be like i think he knows he's gonna survive this battle at least (laughs) because that makes for an interesting character study or a character moment i think it would be very interesting to see pike and it doesn't have to be like a three season show or anything just give me like 
a limited 10 episode series or something mm-hmm. about the enterprise, make your money back for that bridge set, right? Get your full use out of it. Hell, I would love to see some short treks with the enterprise. Yeah. All I want is Anson Mount and Ethan Peck and <laughs> Rebecca Romaine and bring back all those characters that we saw in the cage, like Tyler, Jose Tyler, all of those people. Like, we know they're part of his crew. Like, let's see them. And I think Yeoman Colt was like a good step in that direction. Like, hey, and we don't, we didn't see Enterprise's doctor. I Hopefully it's Dr. Boyce. I just, I think there's a good dynamic there that their job's already done. They have a lot of people showing up. I love the dude in the back with the Uhura earpiece. Right. That was great. Yeah, that was cool. So I would like to see it happen because I think that would be an interesting look deeper into his character. Now you're dealing with a man that knows what his fate is going to be. He just doesn't know when it's going to happen. How does that affect your life going forward? Is there some sense of invincibility there? Like, do you know when it's going to happen based on the uniform change. <laughs> like, is he like, they just changed their fleet captain uh, uniforms. Oh boy, I'm getting closer to that moment. How does that affect him as a person? And I think that would be fascinating to watch, especially with his level of acting mm-hmm. would really be something to witness. Um, I'm all there. I'm all for enterprise. Oh, I just, I loved it. I loved every moment of it. <laughs> So let's get a little bit into the dislikes because I know, you know, based on our ratings, which we'll talk about later, it's both not our favorites, but I think I liked it a little bit more than you. And I think, let me just say, I think all of your dislikes are valid. Mm -hmm. They're valid concerns, but I, I might counterpoint a couple times. Sure. So I totally respect your opinion. And I, I do get why you don't like this. Mm-hmm. So uh, trust me, I totally get it. There were some parts which I'll talk about, which I didn't fully like, but on the second viewing didn't bother me as much, mm. but we'll get into that. So uh, please start us off on that. Sure. To start, we have Sarek's ship beating Control's fleet to Discovery. We have some tender moments between the three, uh, Michael, Sarek, and Amanda, but I didn't think they needed to be in the story. Okay, so I definitely agree with you on this point, especially because it's one thing if Sarek knew where they were before they spore jumped to Zahia, but they were already at Zahia when this happened. Mm-hmm. And Zahia's further out. So unless Sarek and Amanda got some kind of head start, like what we saw in the intro was like a week or two before, right. I would see that that would make sense, but I didn't think so. On your point of this, when Sarek and Amanda showed up, mm-hmm. at first I thought they were a vision. Mm. Like I thought... Burnham was hallucinating or something because I was like, there's no way that that's actually them. Like they took a ship and somehow beat control. 
I completely agree with you on this. Yeah. I, I know that they said that all the subspace communications and all that was out, but you've already established an alternate form of communication between Sarek and Burnham. Right. Which is the the Kotrick the Katrick connection, mm-hmm. that long range thing. I, I know it taxes Sarek, but to me, I would have loved a sequence like that, not just randomly showing up with a shuttle and then wave goodbye right before. Like, the timing was too perfect. Yeah. It was ridiculous. I think I did like what was said during that conversation, Mm -hmm. but I think that should have been done earlier or somehow done differently. And... I really didn't like that he mentioned, oh, I'm not talking to my son because I'm respecting his request. Like, that seemed like that was more of a thing between Sarek and Spock. Right. So I didn't like that kind of throwaway wink-wink cannon nod mm-hmm. to the audience. Right. I didn't like that. And I feel like Amanda would have... At least said goodbye to Spock? Yeah. <laughs> Especially since, you know... Maybe he could die in this battle that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Didn't like it. It, it felt it felt weird not having Spock there, or at least another scene where where Amanda at least talks to Spock, right, and says goodbye, quote unquote. So I don't know if like something was cut for time, but that's a excuse because. <laughs> Originally, this season was supposed to be 13 episodes, and this was extended. Yeah, I feel like this episode was contrived from parts that were in the final, and they kind of expanded on them for this episode. Mm. And I don't know if we'll ever know those reasons behind the scenes, or if they'll talk about it. But I completely agree with you with the whole Sarek and Amanda. I think Sarek could have mind melded with Amanda and then they could have take a Kotrick trip to Burnham's mind right. and it would have done the same thing because we've already established that's a thing he can do. Right. I totally agree with you. And it really felt like the writers forgot that. <laughs> yeah. And another thing, he could have maybe brought some help with him. Yeah. Or hey, alerted Starfleet, hey, because I can mind connect with my (laughs) surrogate daughter, I know where they're at. Right. Why don't you follow me in a whole fleet of Starfleet battlecruisers? Come on! (laughs) Yeah, or or Vulcan ships. Yeah, we brought the Vulcan fleet. My God, that would have been awesome. That would have been cool. It would have been very cool to see some new Vulcan ships, I think. Oh, in yeah. See, why aren't we writing the show? <laughs> Maybe season three. We're available, CBS. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe season four. We'll see. They probably already have season three being written. Uh, maybe. Anyways, go on. So, <laughs> next, Cornwell is everywhere. <laughs> Yet no other Starfleet officers or ships are available. Yeah. So we've established in this episode 
that both the Enterprise and Discovery have a multitude of auxiliary craft. Some would say too many. Um, I would say. I would say too many. Yeah. Because I pause, they did like the, on the season finale of Star Trek Discovery. There's one shot that I paused at. It's the long shot where you see the two ships surrounded by the control section 31 ships. Mm Mm-hmm. And you just see a literal cloud around the Enterprise and Discovery of all this auxiliary craft. And I'm like, there is no way they can pack that many shuttles and worker bees. Why would a ship even need that many worker bees? Right. It's And there's these kind of like even smaller craft mm-hmm. like that look like white jelly beans. I don't know what the hell those are about. Oh, I wonder if they use their escape pods. Like, retrofitted them with phasers. If they did, they are desperate. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Which would make sense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Speaking of the auxiliary craft, why couldn't they use them? Wait, did I already say this? Why couldn't they use them (laughs) to get the word out that they needed help, even if the subspace relays were our commission? Yeah, because uh, we've seen how much uh, warp is, you know, just as fast as the spore drive sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, why why couldn't they send out, like, 20 of these shuttles to, like, all different points? Hey, here are the 20 closest Starfleet vessels you guys be like Paul Revere and be like, the control is coming. The section 31 is coming. And yeah, why couldn't they have done that? Yeah. Why couldn't they have done that? I don't know, man. Cause they're not thinking. <laughs> Apparently. God, now you got me hating on this episode. <laughs> well, the more you think about it, you see these flaws yeah. in, in logic yeah. that, you know, someone would have brought up on the crew. You would have thought. Yeah. What are they being, they're, they're not being paid, but what are they, uh, <laughs> what, I don't know. How are they, these credits, there are credits in Star, in the Federation. Yes. You know, how many credits are they getting paid to not do anything? They, <laughs> they need to get off their butts and, and think. Anywho, I still don't get how Tilly would have been able to keep Poe's time on Discovery a secret and her transport back to her home world, which now seems like it was like probably very far away from Discovery at the time this happened. So I also had, I also very much dislike that because there's no way that Poe was being back to her home world because no one on Discovery even recognized Zahia. Right. And I'm sorry, but the transporter range is not that great. And this isn't Kelvin timeline where you have long range, you know, planet to planet transporters. Right. Sorry, Alex Kurtzman. That's not (laughs) how this show works. Right. And if the transporter range was this great, they could have just transported somewhere and be like, hey, guys, we need some help. Yep. Not thinking about it. That's the thing. And it it was very... I thought that whole explanation, I love, don't get me wrong. I love that we went to Zahia. Mm -hmm. I love that we got Poe, but as soon as Tilly started flapping her mouth about how she knew Poe, I was like, wow, everyone looking is looking at her like she's crazy. That means she did not report this incident at all, Mm -hmm. which 
very bad for her character. Right. And, like, there's no way. They look like they've all been to Zahia for the first time in their lives, mm-hmm. which is a very distinct planet, mind you. Oh, yeah. That was an interesting cloud around her. So I'm going to have to watch Runaway again, but I really hope that she was just being transported to a ship that kind of settled along the Discovery. But even then, it would have been some communication like, hey, ship, what the hell are you doing? Right. Oh, I don't know. I'm just picking up a princess. (laughs) What are you talking about? Okay, bye. Like it. uh. And then transporter logs. Those are a thing. Yes, they are. So, yep. Unless she deleted them. That's bad. Which is even worse. Yeah, so bad. Oh, man. (laughs) Although I did like that little interaction on the bridge when she goes, oh, it doesn't have to, you know, hide in a container or whatever. And they go, what? (laughs) I thought that was funny, though. It was, no, I liked that. It was funny. I I, I laughed at that part. I just saw like Pike was like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, nothing. It, that was that was funny. I I really enjoyed that little interaction mm-hmm. right there. Even though I don't like it overall. Sure. Next on my dislikes, Burnham touches the time crystal. Uh, does that mean what she saw is locked in no matter what? Especially since Reno sees the same thing. Uh, here's the thing, because I rewatched the part where Pike takes the crystal. Mm-hmm. I think Pike taking the crystal sealing his fate was the price already paid okay i think at this point the time crystal is just showing a possible future event not something that can be locked in okay see that's kind of weird to me i think the price for him taking the crystal has already been paid Mm. if that makes sense so his fate is sealed but not necessarily the fate of what jet and burnham saw i can agree with that because it works with the story yes i don't agree with that logically though because like we said i think we said this in the previous episode that shows that this crystal has some kind of intent yes yeah which doesn't make any logical sense sure what about this episode (laughs) (laughs) god i might have to lower my rating (laughs) more we talk about it yeah save that next (laughs) uh if the suit only works with burnham's dna why is dr burnham making a log entry on how someone who might come upon the log fly the suit i say that she might have known that burnham might use it at some point i mean that's Interesting. She, but I feel like she used the suit before the current events yeah. stream happened. Uh, this this timey wimey stuff is kind of confusing. But I think the current timeline, as it's unfolding, she, the Red Angel, Doctor Burnham, didn't have foresight into that. Especially since she doesn't know about the the red uh, signals. So uh, it's very confusing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I can, I can see what, like maybe she thinks or hopes someday she will get back. Yeah, and I, I guess you know what it could be too. It could be that she's trying to talk 
to Burnham just to get her mind off the situation. She may just be making these logs just to give her own self comfort. Yeah, to, you know what I mean. To keep sane. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense too. Because as far as we know, she's the only person in this mm-hmm. time frame that she is able to interact with only herself. I don't know if it hasn't really been established if she has contact or if the people that were on that planet are still there. And that's what I tried to say a couple episodes you did. ago. You did. I I just there's no evidence of it. Sure. So it's it's kind of weird. She seems to be alone. We we don't see her interacting with anyone. So it's just odd. But then again, she may have just shown up on Terralysium, and because they're so technologically adverse, they might have stoned her or something. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, she did the experiment, brought the people to Terralysium. Again, I think she would only instill that, that mantra of, hey, technology bad, don't do it, mm-hmm. so that she could have that safe haven in the future. And if that's the case... If Terralysium is truly immune to control because they don't have any significant technology, then I do think the descendants of what we saw further in the future of Discovery, but then again, Pike gave him the battery. It's, again, it's all very timey-wimey, like you said. Right. And another thing that I didn't think of until now, they think the Red Angel is some kind of god. Correct. So she could put on the suit and walk up to these descendants and be like, I am your god, give me food. (laughs) Or, you know, whatever, you know? I think it's much easier for her to be like, yo, I'm from the north. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose, but I mean, she could... I'm going to be this crazy hermit outside of town. Don't mess with my... I suppose. Definitely don't look at that suit in the corner. Yeah, but, I mean, she could just don the suit and walk up to them and be like, pay homage to me. Yeah, but without the red glowy bits, it's not as dramatic. (laughs) I I suppose. I suppose. Uh, Next up, we kind of just touched on, how will Discovery be safe in the future from Control's detection? Because it's not really made clear if... They mean all technology up to this point has been infiltrated, or control is somehow able to detect any form of technology. Yeah, that's a thing. They haven't taken the time to kind of explain control's parameters or intent or how it does these things. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is a nagging problem for me as well. Or if they do go into the future, will they pop into a future that's like, Oh, hey, control never happened. Mm. You guys did it. It worked. Good job. Right, but then they have to figure out what they did (laughs) to fix (laughs) it. Yeah, they brought Discovery into the future. That was it. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. (laughs) I think that's the point. Like, I think control will starve itself. Like, if they take it out of the galactic equation, there's nothing control can do to get that data And then I think it's much easier for Starfleet to essentially eradicate control Mm. with their 7,000 ships that are not around. (laughs) Right. Mm. I wish they never used that number. Yep. (sighs) Next next on my list of hatred. It's not hatred. (laughs) It's a dislike. Of dislikes. 
how much time has transpired for them to be able to fabricate this entire suit? Okay. This is my biggest problem with Discovery. Mm-hmm. It's the passage of time and how they depict it. When everything is so fast-paced, these situations just seem to happen. Mm-hmm. Even in a slower-paced episode like this, and even when times are basic or blatantly said, like, oh, we got 57 minutes, we got this amount of minutes, we, got, we just jumped, so now we got 12 hours. Like, this and this and this. Even when they say times, mm-hmm. the cuts make it seem like more is happening in a shorter time frame. Right. And it's not just this episode. This is a season-wide problem with me and Discovery. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it. It's these cuts that seem like time is skipping around yeah. for no reason. Do a montage. Do a do a slow fade into another scene where it's like, oh, man, we... Wow, we surely have been working on this for three days. You know, something like that. Right. Just, we've said this so often, just a tiny line of dialogue fixes a lot. A lot. A lot. And know what else I was thinking? This isn't just an issue with Discovery. It's also an issue with at least Star Trek Into Darkness, where we have, like, Mm. the time between... I think it was the Enterprise warping somewhere. It seemed like it was an instant. Yes. Uh, it's just... <clears throat> I know it's hard to depict the passage of time. But, like you said, line of dialogue. Another weird thing is that that final exchange between Pike and Giorgio. It was weird for me, at least. Where we have that, right. by the way... And why is she using the transporter? I don't know. For this moment... She tells him that, you know, she's a Terran from the Mary Universe, and he goes, What Mary Universe? Oh, wink. <sighs> that was weird, but I understood that Pike did know about it, because he did say in the premiere that he was completely briefed on Lorca and what they went through. Right. So Pike does know of the Mirror Universe. I think he just never let on to Giorgio. Mm that he knew until now, but I don't know why she would just randomly blurt that out yeah. as he's beaming away. Yeah. It, it's, it was weird. I don't understand why she was controlling the transporter. Yeah. I wouldn't, Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't allow her anywhere near that thing. Yeah. It's just, uh, uh I obviously it's just, <laughs> it was just for this conversation, but she could have done it. Standing in front of the transporter, not actually helming the control. Right. Where's the transporter chief? Yeah. Get the guy with the visor. He's been there every other time. Yeah, I know. I really enjoy him just being there. I I want more of him. Yeah. I want more of wheelchair guy. Yeah. Get him on the bridge. Yeah. There Are there any stairs on that bridge? I don't remember. Uh, no, there isn't. Yeah. There are on the Enterprise. That'd be a problem for him. Right. But not on Discovery. It's all like slopes and stuff. Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, get him on the bridge. Why isn't he there? Yeah, come on. Get get weird bug person out of there. <laughs> weird bug person. <laughs> Finally on my list here of dislikes. Whew. Not using the spore drive before using the power to charge the crystal. Right. And I think 
I think jumping to Zahia gave them extra time mm-hmm. because they did transport somewhere else. So it's like control would have to adjust and figure out where the hell they went. But you're right. It's like, oh no, controls after us. We have to destroy the ship or maybe we could just jump the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that they didn't want to be at the, on the run the whole time, but hell just seriously like go deep into the beta quadrant like yeah edge of the universe type yeah they have the capability they should have used it yes and that is one of the main reasons why i'm not going to say i dislike the entire episode but that's one of the main reasons it's one of the main reasons this isn't like a captain or commander for you (laughs) for sure (laughs) for sure are there any other dislikes that you have you know i I think we pretty much covered it all but yeah it's 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 just my biggest gripe is is the how they handle the passage of time in the show Mm -hmm. everything is just fast 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 and they really pack a lot of information into all these episodes where you even miss lines like, you know, Michael's line about, yeah, control has taken over all of the subspace relays. We only have ship to ship. I missed that in my first version mm-hmm. and they repeated it later. They said, Oh, we've only got ship to ship. And I was like, Oh, well snap. But it's like they pack so much is going on. I really just want them to take a bit of a breather. Right. You can have quiet moments in Star Trek and still make the show feel less like, oh my God, everything's happening all once, go, go, go. And even with a serialized story with Deep Space Nine, I never felt that sense of like the final season. Mm -hmm. I never felt like it was rushed or like I didn't get these quiet moments. Right. There was plenty of that in Deep Space Nine. Right. Granted, there were more episodes per season for Deep Space sure. Nine, but some of those episodes were isolated from the the story arc, the overall arc. Right. And I still want Discovery to have, you know, I want them to have more away team type episodes, mm-hmm. more, you know, standalone stories. And we got a couple of those this season, but they were still able to further the story along. And I think you can have it both ways. I think you can do a more isolated story or a more standalone story, but still keep the character arcs going. Right. And they've done a very good job with the character arcs. It's just some of these events that happen and trigger this cascade of other events happening It's so quick and I just want them to take a step back and go, look, we got to go about things differently. Mm -hmm. I want season three to be different. Yeah. And I don't want an overarching. We have to save the entire galaxy. It doesn't need to be that. I, I would be happy with them just trying to find a way to get home and dealing with this crazy future timeline. Yeah. How great would that be if, you know, they do fix everything, control is gone, and they jump into a future where, yeah, you've got the Federation going. The Enterprise J shows up and they're like, what? (laughs) And it's like, hey, for the future of the, or for the continuity of this timeline, we have to keep the discovery here. And 
wouldn't that be interesting? They're essentially the crew in cause and effect. Mm. They're like Bateson's crew. How cool would that be to be on the other side of that where they jump into a future they know nothing about and are completely fish out of water? Mm. That's a better, I think, would be a a much amazing storyline than another, the fate of the galaxy is on this one ship's hands. Right. Now, I agree with that. We have a Picard. What if it tied in? What if it tied into the Picard? Yeah, series? that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> what if it becomes Discovery Quantum Leap? <laughs> <laughs> huh. be- I wonder if. Does Discovery have to go into the future? It does because we saw what happened in uh, Calypso. Oh, in the short yeah, yeah. Track. That's true. But w- I was thinking. Does it have to go into the future to avoid control? I guess it would, because eventually it would, the time would right. uh, come up. I was going to say send it in the past, but I guess that wouldn't work. <laughs> no, no, it has to be the future. Yeah. And they've been consistent about that solution, at least. Right. Okay. But tying it into the Picard series would be very fascinating if they go to the you know end of the 24th century. <laughs> Beginning of the well, now we know. We now we know about this section thirty-one show. Mm-hmm. I still don't know how that's going to play out after the events of this season. It's a lot, man. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting what they do in the next episode. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's move into our unanswered questions. Sure. Uh, to start off, if the crew that stays with Discovery actually do go into the future, how will they get back. I kind of feel like they will because of Spock's presence on the ship. But then we, in the next, uh, in the preview for the next episode, we have like him in like a like shuttle or something. So I don't know what's going on. Right. I feel like he has to protect Burnham somehow. Like something happens where she has to launch from the always open shuttle bay, <laughs> and yeah. he follows her. They land on some kind of what looks like a ship surface. Oh, interesting. And so he's separate from Discovery, which would make sense if he has to go back to the Enterprise and then he never goes into the future. Mm. So I, I think Spock is not going into the future, but I think the rest of the crew is. Okay. Maybe he wanted to stick around, but I think situations will happen in the next episode that prevents him from staying with Michael. Mm, that makes sense. Because, you know, we know Spock is going to be on the Enterprise. Of course. So I figured that since he's going to the future, they would all have to get back. But if he doesn't actually go... If he never goes, right. Yeah. Okay. That, that might answer that question. We'll see next week. Okay. And next, the time suit must still work after Burnham's first go, since they are supposed to have more red signals, and she's supposed to be able to send these signals. Yeah, so that's closing the loop of the timeline. When she goes in the future, she still has to make all seven signals Yeah. in the past to kick this whole thing off and complete the loop. So when they were talking about the time crystal shattering because of all 
the the power that's being pushed into this crystal. I was like, ah, well, she has to at least do it seven more times. Right. So, we'll see. Well, eight, because the initial burst of the seven signals. Oh, yeah. That, that okay. set them on this whole path. And when she's talking with Spock. Mm. Because the brain scan was still her. Yeah. Yeah. So, at least nine times, I think. At least eight or nine times. Right. So, uh, Yep. Yeah. So, I do not see how they're going to be able to cram all those into one episode. <laughs> yeah. Is, is like a red burst going to show up like behind the fleet and go like, go here. That's their weak spot. And then another one's like, hey, you can make the final blow here. Boo. It's, yeah. And... I kind of felt that this was going to happen like midway through the season. I'm like, guys, we still got like three more. Like, let's let's focus on these signals. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were like episode 10 and I'm like, okay, <laughs> other signals. Let's go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are indeed. And that was my unanswered question. We don't know about these last two signals. Yeah. Goodness. Okay. So score time. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go first? Okay. No, you go first. You go first. Okay. So, <laughs> the bad news. I rated this Lieutenant Junior Grade one and a half pips. I think that's either my lowest score or ties my lowest score for the season. I'm I'm not quite sure. But I say maybe there's about 20 minutes of actual, probably maybe a little more than that, of actual story and the rest to me seemed unnecessary see you say like actual story the whole thing is story no i feel like (laughs) the whole thing is actual story yes i i I see that but i feel like important story (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) like like i i mentioned a little earlier i feel like maybe 20 minutes of of this episode was part of the final episode that they decided to remove and make a fuller episode. Which 20 minutes? Like, it jumps around. It's not like a concurrent 20 minutes. What scenes of those 20 minutes do you think? So I think... Be specific. I'm calling you out on this. All right, so jumping... Not being able to destroy the ship. Uh, mm-hmm. Jumping to Sahia. Uh, maybe the interaction between Paul and, and uh, Hugh. Okay. That you're saying could have been in the next episode. Yes. Yeah. But that doesn't some of those scenes set off the situation. Like them not them finding out that they can't destroy the the discovery kind of sets this whole thing off. Right. Yeah, no, I I think but I feel like that was part of the episode and they're like, "Oh, we need to figure out something else to do." What's the other thing that they need to do? Well, what they did in the episode, jump to Sahia. Like, I think the so, red burst was part of the original story. So I, I think they just took, you know, some of this and just expanded on it to make it 40 minutes or so. Okay. I disagree with that uh, a little that, bit. That's totally fine. I, I gave this a lieutenant commander at two and a half pips. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit more than, you know the middle of the road because mm-hmm. our half is, is two pips. So it's, it's not the best, but I don't think it's a trash fire of an episode. <laughs> I never <laughs> said it was, I, I know, I know, but 
like if this were an ensign or uh, what's or enlisted officer because O'Brien had pip. that ha- that pip. Yeah. So it's it's not like a half pip. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I gave it one and a half. I know. Well, that's very generous considering <laughs> how much you uh, slammed this one. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think the reason I didn't give it a lower score was because of the Enterprise stuff. I was mm. so thrilled about the Enterprise. And I did love the character moments. But But like we said, some of the logic leaps that they take are not great. And there's some things I wish they would have done better. The The reason this was probably my lowest of the season, I don't, I'll have to go back and see what other ratings I had. But the Sarah and Amanda stuff, I loved, I love what they were saying. But logically, it's like, my God, you guys could have just done a Catrick arc because subspace transmissions are down how do you know their exact coordinates yeah unless they're homing in on michael's brain juju and he's like turn left turn yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's it's bad Uh, (laughs) that and and some of the logic leaps that we talked about that's what really hurt this episode for me mm-hmm. overall i mean it was still entertaining i was entertained throughout yeah there was just these parts where i did i didn't like it and you know sarek's talking about i'm not talking i'm a bad father blah 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 i'm impossible and yada yada i'm like uh yeah and you still don't talk to your son for like nine years mm-hmm. like timeline wise right right that's a thing so i'm like Okay, you still don't talk to your son for a decade. You're still an incredible dick. Even if he even if you're respecting his wishes, you still could have reached out. I mean, don't be an Right. So, yeah. I I wish I wish a part of that conversation never happened. It wouldn't have needed to be said if she if he just did that thing that we've already saw him do. Right. Is is that astral projection crap? Yes. Like, just do that. He, We know he has the capability. And you don't need to make up some BS about why you didn't visit Spock when you're literally, like, 50 feet away from him, probably. Right. <laughs> and it just, it made, it. yeah. See, I'm getting on. And that's, that's one of the reasons it's a lower score for me. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with your reason. But I will reserve further judgment until we see the bigger picture with the finale Mm -hmm. and who knows my view may change and they may fix things or I don't know. I really don't want them to set reset the timeline. That would be just such a waste of a season. It would be, I think at least I hope the writers know that that's probably not good to do. (laughs) You would think. Yeah. Mm. Because it could, it would bite them in the butt. Oh yeah. But Anyway, what what do you think? What are your predictions for episode 14? What do I think? <laughs> episode 14 and beyond. Uh, Star Trek Beyond. Uh, like we mentioned, I think that Spock does not go into the future, okay. but the rest of the crew does. And I think the crew stays there. Ooh. And that season three is just their aftermath of trying to get home. Interesting. And... Uh, because that would solve a lot of these 
quote unquote continuity issues that they said that they were going to fix. Like, why is there no spore drive? Well, it's 900 years in the future now, so we don't have access to it. Why have we never seen a discovery cross field class type? Because it's the only one left. Pike said, we'll never see one like her again because it's specifically tuned to the spore drive. It's in the future now. So yeah, why don't we hear about any of these characters? Why don't, why doesn't Spock mention his sister? Maybe it's too painful because she's ripped from him and thrown 900 years in the future. Right. Why would he talk about that? And he shouldn't talk about it because no one should talk about it because if control is still out there, don't tip control off to your plan. Yeah, no, that's true. So, yeah, that's very true. I wonder if Spock really starts to study time travel because he wants to find his sister, which would make sense because yeah. he calculates the uh, slingshot effect in the original series as well as the voyage home. Mm-hmm. In a Simon Earth, they make that time travel with his calculations. And in the Voyage Home, they do the same thing in The Bird of Prey. Yeah. Why does Spock know so much about time travel? Isn't it interesting how this season is playing out? That's a very good point, sir. Mm, thank you. For me, my prediction, when they're transporting, Tyler has a little interaction with Pike saying, you know, do you trust me? Because I have to leave. I got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I got to leave before the crap hits the fan. Which happens five minutes later anyway. So that, again... The, the whole time stuff. Yeah. So I think something big with him is going to happen. Maybe he mm. sacrifices himself to save Discovery or the Enterprise, or he does something which appears like he sacrifices himself, but he actually doesn't die. Yeah. So that's where I'm going with that. I, I feel like I, well, I want him to be in a Section 31 series. I think this kind of confirms his interaction with Burnham kind of confirms that he's going to stick with section 31. Right. So I don't think he's going anywhere, but he's going to do something. And I think it's going to be important in the plot of the next episode. And we're going to get so much of his hair and beard next season. (laughs) It'll be great. Yeah. It's it's interesting because he's not leaving with, Right. Discovery. So if they're flung into the future, he probably won't be in the season. Dun, dun, dun. So we shall see. That wraps up our discussion on episode 13 of season two. Mr. Berry, if we were to look for you on the internet, how would we do so? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at trekkieb 47 can also check out my other podcast on the four-eyed radio network the ranger command power hour it's a power rangers podcast and we'll be back with new episodes on uh, 420 and 427 excellent i encourage all of you to go listen to his podcast it's great and you know what why don't you rate this podcast get some give us some ratings on apple itunes yes that would really help us out. It would. And you know, leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. I think we're pretty good at uh, receiving all kinds of feedback. So yeah. let us know. Let us know. You can also reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at Nova Charter. You can reach out to this podcast on Instagram and Twitter. 
at sfxscapepod. And until next week, live long and prosper. Peace and long life. Keep your hands off my time, Crystal. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web at sfxscapepod.com, on Twitter and Instagram at sfxscapepod, and on Facebook.com slash sfxscapepod.